Happy post-Thanksgiving. Happy pre-Christmas. We're in that place, aren't we? We kind of have to get our uh, holiday spirit uh, revved up, get ourselves going. So we'll start this morning by uh, getting our own spirits flowing in faith, uh, in the spirit of the holiday that we just celebrated. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm thankful that you're here because fill in the blank. Okay, so this is, this is going to take some pre-thought. You're actually going to have to think about this and be active and kind of wake up and stuff. So, uh, I'm thankful that you're here because fill in the blank. You ready? Go. Go. The person next to you is a stranger. You have to be super creative. Did you, come up, did you come up with creative ways to fill in the blank? Yeah? What, what were some of your becauses, your because whys? I'm thankful. Yeah, Lee, what was yours? You're, thank, you're thankful. Uh, I'm thankful that you're here because we have the freedom uh, to be here and to celebrate. And Yeah, and I know exactly why you're saying that this week, Lee. Uh, who else? I'm thankful. What was your because why? Yeah. I'm thankful that you're here because I'm not fully here if you're not with me. And your response better have been good, Nick. Oh, and Nick said ditto, yeah. And now you know everything you need to know about the Freca marriage. Uh, Yeah, that's good, yeah. I'm with you, babe. Fantastic. All right. Well, we're getting warmed up. Here's our warm-up question for the day. It also requires a little bit of, of, uh, of protracted thinking. Uh, what's something in your life, what's something that you didn't want to happen, but which happened and for which later you were grateful? You get it? So something you didn't want to happen, it happened, and then later on you were like, oh, I'm glad that happened. All right, so I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you like 15 seconds to reflect on this one. All right, go. You're taking notes, John? Dude. All right, well, I hear some mumbling, so you must already have good answers. So let's share a couple. Something that you didn't want to happen... It happened, and then you were like, oh, I'm glad that happened. What was it? And you better not say, marrying Nick. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to know. We don't want to know that chapter. Yeah. Well, what do we got? Some, something that you didn't want to happen, but which later you were grateful for. Yeah, Angel? Um, something I didn't want to happen was I went into Yeah.
Long story, Angel uh, did not want to go into foster care when she was a child, but having gone through foster care and everything that that involved, uh, she came to know uh, God better and his faithfulness in spite of everything. Gives her a great testimony, which uh, many of us already know. That's a pretty good one. That's kind of a hard to top. That's hard to top. But uh, you, could, you could top it. I love this competition. In the spirit of the holidays... What do you got, Damien? So, my grandma went to the hospital. Yep. She fell into a coma. Uh huh. I was not a Christian. I was an atheist, actually. Uh huh. Um, the person from work Another story. came. Uh, I asked him, what, what can I do? Went to church. She actually actually got healed the next day. So. Yeah, I don't know if you heard that one. So, I, I, I knew this story before. So, uh, Damien, not a believer, was an atheist, kind of an angry guy. Tough, tough, uh, tough childhood. Loved his grandma. His grandma goes into a coma in the hospital. Doesn't look good. He goes to a friend who was a believer and said, "What can I do?" I said, "Well, pray. You know, pray that God helps." Next day, grandma came out of uh, a coma, and Damien's been walking with Jesus ever since. It was a coma. It was a coma that changed your life, and I think you would say generally your life a heck of a lot better now than it was before grandma's coma. And, and for coming to know Jesus. All right, so those are two fairly good ones. We will vote later on which story is best. And then you'll get brownie points in heaven for whoever wins. Okay, now it's a competition. Now it's a competition. Anybody got one more good one? Something you don't... Oh, we got to do somebody not in my Ohana group. We're just too comfortable with each other. Someone else. Something you didn't want to happen, but now you're thankful that it happened. It doesn't have to involve foster care or pending death. You got rejected from your first choice college. The one you actually went to ended up being way better for your future. You got an opportunity and everything else has flowed from that because the door was slammed in your face. First time. You guys got stories like that, something like that in your life? It's like, wow, that door was slammed in my face. That really hurt. And then, oh, my whole, my whole life hinged on that moment in retrospect. Yeah. So I've been thinking about thankfulness, thankfulness this week because uh, we had this holiday called Thanksgiving where you carnivores eat turkey and I eat tofu casserole. Um, and I'm not great at thankfulness. I got to be honest with you. Um, there's nothing in my personality that lends itself toward thankfulness. I'm really good at sort of uh, uh, crusty perseverance. You know, it's like, well, I don't, I'm just, I'm just going to keep going no matter what happens. That's me. So thankfulness is like, oh, I'm really thankful for what happened. And it, you know, it's, it's of course not, not opposite, uh, but. Thankfulness doesn't come to me naturally. So every year I have to think about it. Um, and I take Thanksgiving as an opportunity to do that. And I've been thinking about what the key to the thankful spirit is, you know, what its value is. I've been reflecting on it as well um, because I'm thinking a lot about being salt and light in the world. You know, we're doing a whole sermon series on that, how to come spread the kingdom, how to minister to the world as we should the world is hurting and presumably we have the answer right I mean they're looking to us they should be we should be providing it some people call that evangelism 
getting the good news uh, out there and trying to gather people into uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, so I've been thinking about the connection between thankfulness and evangelism, and that's what I want to talk about this morning uh, specifically. But as for the spirit of, of thankfulness, I think one of the keys is this, is exactly what we're talking about, is like the gift that you didn't want, right? The thing that you got, you didn't think of it as a gift. Maybe you thought of it as a disappointment. Maybe you thought of it as, as, as a curse, but from which you benefited nonetheless. So in retrospect, you can look back on it and say to yourself, I should have been thankful, right? If, if I were omniscient, if I knew everything ahead of time, then I probably would have seen how that works for good, ultimately, in the great chessboard of life that God controls. Um, uh, I, I call these sorts of surprise blessings. I call them creative blessings um, because, uh, you know, in that process of creativity, uh, the first step is often destruction, right? You know, you take some raw material and then you destroy it and then you assemble it and then you have something beautiful. There's sort of this cycle of rebirth in creative things, right? Some things need to be destroyed or adjusted or altered in order that something better could emerge down the line. So I call them, you know, creative, creative experiences or, or creative thankfulness. Um, and I think that sort of experience is the real key to, to gratitude because it schools us to lean toward what you might think of as a creative-minded acceptance, right? Something bad happens to you in life and you're like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to accept it. And I'm going to accept it with a creative attitude. Like, even though this sucks, I wonder what goodness can be created from it. You get the idea? And that's a pretty Christian attitude. Uh, if you've been hanging around the church, if you've been hanging around Scripture for any length of time, you can probably think of some verses uh, that... Uh, that come to mind. One I always think of comes from uh, one of those canonical Old Testament stories, Joseph, uh, who, was, who was essentially sold into slavery by his brothers, rather dysfunctional family. And then years later, after all of these crazy thing, things happen, really, really hard things, really good things, Joseph ends up saving a nation, and then he saves his family's nation on top of it. He becomes a great savior in the world, so to speak. And he says to his brothers when they are eventually reunited, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. It's just, that could be a bumper sticker, right? Um, we should make it one. Um, it was an unexpected path uh, for good uh, to happen. So uh, the, this, I think, is a, is a key to having uh, an abiding thankfulness in life. It's like, well, okay, yeah, that was bad, but what good can be created from it? Are you following me? So I would define thankfulness. All right, no, I would define the attitude of thankfulness as sort of uh, a creative acceptance of whatever goes down in life. It's like, well, you're not saying that everything is good, right? You're not saying that it's good that grandma slips into a coma. You wouldn't say, oh, yay, comas. Um, <laughs> but you would say, uh, even in this, God might create some good. At least that's what you should have thought and what you came to, th to think through that experience, which makes it such a great story. Right? So in that spirit, uh, let's read uh, 
from uh, one of Paul's epistles uh, this morning, from his second letter to the Corinthians. You guys ever read one of these letters that Paul wrote that we have in the Bible? There's a bunch of them. Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians, all these letters. And one of the themes that you find in all of Paul's letters, he writes these letters to churches, and sometimes they're circular letters, meaning there's, he writes it to one church, and they're supposed to pass it to others, and they sort of circulate around the region. One of the themes you often see in Paul's letters is, is this theme of, yes, life is hard, but if you approach it with the right spirit, with the right attitude, with creativity and acceptance, then good things will often come. So this is, a, this is an example of that. Uh, this passage mentions thankfulness, and so I thought of it um, during the week of Thanksgiving. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm just going to read the whole chapter, making a few comments as I go. We'll focus in on a few hinges in it. Therefore, he's been talking about eternal glory. And he says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Um, God's given us a mission, and therefore it's it's important for us not to lose heart as we do the mission. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. We do not distort the word of God. We live honestly. We don't fake anything. You know, like we're being true. Uh, On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So no need to fake anything, people. To do your ministry, you don't need to fake anything. That's how it starts. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We don't preach ourselves, but, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I don't particularly like when Paul goes off like this. Like, Just say it simply, Paul. But what, what is he saying here? He's saying, look, we have a mission. We don't need to be fake about it, even if the goodness of what we do is hard for people to see. That's kind of where we are right now. Because this goodness comes from within. We know it's there. Um, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's a famous line, right? We have uh, this treasure in jars of clay. It's like this true good thing that God has given us doesn't necessarily look impressive, you know, in, inside of us, and we don't look all that impressive. We are the jar of clay. We're just, we don't look all that extraordinary, but what's in us is amazing. It's amazing. That's kind of what he's saying. Um, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Anybody feel like that? Can I get a chihu? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Well, that's pleasant. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And he shifts here and he goes into this theme 
It's like from death comes life, death comes life, and we look like we're dying. We feel like we're dying. We may literally be dying, but there's something alive coming out of us. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And here what he's doing is he's going back to his statement of mission. It's like, yeah, we, the ministers, the ministry team that you guys know, Paul and his partners, we might look like we're dying. There's some thought that he was actually in prison when he wrote this. Uh, but that's just so Christ's life might be more obvious to those of you um, who are interested in it, who might be interested in it. So his point is, when I look like garbage, it's easier for you to see the wealth of Christ in me. You can pick it out. Now, why would that be, do you think? Why would that be? I call this uh, the gospel in relief. Uh, when you can see power in me, even though my outer trapping looks weak and ugly, then it picks your interest. You're like, where does that come from? Where does that come from? Because you see the power of Jesus in relief against the mess of my mortality. Shall we say, are you following me? Give me one clap. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. He's quoting from a psalm. Uh, and with that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, uh, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence, which is a long-winded way of saying, I'm telling you what I've experienced to be true. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And there's that word, thanksgiving. Uh, it takes a little careful tracking, but what Paul is saying here is that, yeah, uh, we're in prison right now. There's a lot of tough things going down. There's a lot of tough things going down in your life as well. But all of that is for the benefit of the message that we preach and that you in turn can preach because um, our weakness makes it easier for you to see the light of God in us. And when people plug into that, they too will overflow with thanksgiving. Right? And then he goes on to explain why thanksgiving is the natural response. Therefore, we do not lose heart. He goes back to that phrase. Since we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. And then 16 verses later, therefore we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So he's summarizing the theme. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's why we should be thankful. Because it's really not about this game. It's about the championship in eternity. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So at the very least, at the very least, there's an eternity out there. So any bad stuff that happens in this life is not really that important. Which is a familiar Christian theme, right? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because those last forever. 
and anything that's happening in this lifetime is temporary, um, only temporary at best. Our troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Do you think that's true? I get one fist pump. Our troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Do you think that's true? I mean, particularly I'm asking you veterans. Do you actually think that's true? So here are a couple attitudes. My troubles are achieving for me a really rotten week. My troubles are achieving for me eternal glory. So how many of you are over here? How many of you are over here? How many of you are stuck in the middle, non-committal, afraid to... (laughs) One one honest man (laughs) and a ditto. Um, Yeah. You know, so I, I don't think that the ground I'm covering is really unfamiliar for a lot of you. Maybe you've never gone through a, a chapter from one of Paul's letters like that and kind of gone through his often tortured language uh, to trace his logic. Um, but, but there's this idea that, hey, you know, whatever bad stuff happens here, uh, don't worry about it too much because it serves a purpose. And one of the purposes that Paul is underscoring is that if you are stuck in the mud in this life, one of the cool things it does is that if you manifest a proper spirit of thankfulness and faith and joy, people will notice it and be like, where the heck does that come from? And then you say, ah, well, it comes from the promise of Christ's resurrection. I believe I'm going to live forever so I don't sweat stuff that happens in this life. And they're like, that makes no sense. But you keep doing it and you keep overcoming and inexplicable things keep happening around you. And then they're like, oh, I mean, it would make one thing if you were like some billionaire celebrity and manifested thankfulness and joy and an overcoming attitude. But it's a different thing if you're not, shall we say, can't pay your bills, uh, having a hard time, nobody knows you, nobody pays attention to you, and yet even then, you're thankful and joyful and overcoming. That's remarkable. And that is the witness on which the gospel spreads around the world. That's actually the engine that makes the gospel of work, makes the gospel work, that makes evangelism work. That's actually what we're shooting for. So if you're interested in ministry and mission, one of the things you should be excited about is having a treasure in jars of clay. One of the things you should be excited about is if your life looks a little clay-like, if your life looks a little bruised and battered, if you look like a used car rather than a brand new Tesla. I hope nobody here has a brand new Tesla because then I've just embarrassed you. I don't know, maybe not, maybe. No shame, no shame. It's okay, it's okay. If your car is nice, it's okay. We accept you here. And can I have a ride home? <laughs> My car broke down again. And, uh, right, but if, if you look like a bruised, battered, used car that's on its last legs, kept together with duct tape and barbed wire, you're in a great position to, to spread the power of the gospel in the world. Do you think that's true? How many of you feel like, yay? <laughs> I'm awesome. I've nailed this. That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of what Paul is, is saying in any case. And, and this is not the only place he says it. Um, 
Paul sees his struggles, his imprisonment, his poverty, his rejection as fuel for effective evangelism. He says, it's for your benefit that this should happen to me. Therefore, I'm really stoked about it. Uh, and, and the implied suggestion is that one thing we offer people is this message of redemption, right? This message of thankfulness, this message of creative acceptance, that we have the ability to accept whatever comes our way and to then think, I wonder what good God can do out of this, no matter how crappy the experience is. And, and some experiences are very, very crappy. They're very, very painful, right? I mean, some of the nasty experiences that we have in life, some of the threats, some of the losses, some of the disappointments are no joke, right? It's not like we treat them lightly in and of themselves. It's just that we have a way to create out of them, right? That there is an eternity that is a great leveler of any account that we might keep. And it's not a fancy thing to say, but it is absolutely fundamental to living the gospel life and absolutely fundamental, I think, to feeling thankful. Like, I think if, if you don't really grasp this, if you don't live according to it, then you're not going to be a very thankful person. And I am not naturally a thankful person at all, and therefore, for me to live with any thankfulness in life, I have to always think about this. Ah, yeah, but there's eternity. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, think of all these things in my life uh, that have happened um, that now, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for in, in, in the rearview rear mirror. Uh, Steve was talking about, well, I didn't get into the college I wanted to get into. He's like, oh, how old are you now, Steve? You're 55 years old. He's still thinking about college acceptance at age 18, right? <laughs> so that stung, right? I mean, that stung, right? Now you can look back on it and be like, Whew, you know, thank God, you know, that happened uh, because the rest of my life has testified uh, to the goodness of my rejection uh, right there. And uh, I was in academia for a long time. A lot of you know uh, this story. And then for reasons that were just, I thought, absurd at the time. You know, it's like political reasons. Uh, my research was not popular, uh, even though I to all these elite universities and, and, and published and done all this stuff. And I lost my academic career. And it's like, man, that was devastating. I wasn't 18, but I was, you know, 10 years older, 12 years older. Um, and if that hadn't happened, right, all of these creative things in my life would not have followed. You know, I certainly wouldn't be here. There would be no Blue Water Mission, um, which might be a blessing, might not. It depends on what you, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not making any bold claims. Um, but all of this flowed from a failure that almost killed me. You know, that really just devastated my life uh, for a while. I was so frustrated and I felt so abandoned by God. And I think his attitude was probably like, yeah, but I need, I need you to take a, a turn here. Like, I can't let you continue down this path. That would not be good. He could have chosen a more elegant way to shut it down, I'm just saying. But, but like, so I need to cling to that experience. Uh, otherwise, um, I'm just crabby and pessimistic uh, every day. So I've got this way that I do it. Uh, this might not seem like much to you. Not, uh, I picked this up over the last uh, few years. When something happens in life that shocks me in its 
disappointment, right? When I feel like, oh, it's really, really bad. Well, I should, I should uh, contrast. When something disappointing happens in Sonia's life, life of my wife, she goes, well, praise God. Because that's Sonia. And I, you know, I just hate that. <laughs> because it's just so perfect, you know? She's not here at this service. She's going to do this album release party tonight, right? And she'll be happy and she'll be like spiritual and the music is just so lovely, you know, like everything about it will be lovely and beautiful. My music is not that way. Uh, we did an album previously when we were younger I, that, and the album was recorded during the depths of my depression. I was reading the lyric liners from the two albums. And I was like, yeah, I wrote that. She wrote this. Um, she's like, she's just like wonderful and, and light you know, all the time. So she'll, when something shocking happens to her, she'll be like, well, praise God. God's going to do something good with this. And I'm like, ugh. And when something bad happens to me, here's what I say. I say, okay. That's my, that's my mantra. And, and bit, yeah, I'll say, okay. And sometimes I'll, like, I will pace back and forth in the house and I'll be like, okay, 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 okay. That's like, that's like my battle for thankfulness. And Sony just stands there and shakes her head. Um, what are you doing? I'm trying to accept it. And what I've done is I've just come up with a little ritual uh, that, that uh, pushes my brain to a place where I can think, well, maybe God can do something good uh, with this. Okay, okay, okay. And sometimes it takes me about two and a half days of okay. And then I'm like, what's next? What shall I do now? What shall I do now? Uh, what shall I do now? Uh, that's my version of creative acceptance. I don't know what yours is. Everywhere, it seems to me, life testifies to us that better positives can come from negatives. I think this is one of those things that, that the universe itself testifies to us if we would just uh, look. If, if we accept things with God, if we struggle with God instead of against God, uh, then I think we almost always find that better positives come out of our negatives. Um, I was discussing evolution uh, with someone this week, because I'm a science geek, and I actually like the theory of evolution a lot. A lot of Christians don't reject it out of hand. You can't teach it in Christian schools and stuff like that. Cool. God bless you. Um, I, I read it differently uh, for a number of reasons that I've gone into before. We don't need to discuss it now. But one of the things I like about evolution, which is to say natural selection, what the, the, if you know the theory, is that what happens is that organisms compete to survive, right? They struggle. They struggle and they die. And they, before they die, they pass on their genes. And when they find an advantage in the struggle, they pass on their genes and then the next generation of the organism is better. It evolves to a higher place and, and better and so on. Natural selection, the theory of natural selection and evolution teaches us that improvement comes from struggle. Conceptually, that's the theory. Improvement comes from struggle. You know, I might call it adaptation, but what they're really saying is that this is how life expands. It expands through competition and struggle, through, you know, 
battle and death and stuff like that. And it's like all of life testifies to this. I mean, plant life, same thing. You know, right now on our island, we see strong plants wiping out weak plants because this island is so young and so many invasive species have been introduced uh, to it. That's just nature. You know, nature is that greater goodness comes from struggle. Um, God called his people in the Old Testament the people of what? Israel. Yeah, what does Israel mean? Struggles with God. Struggles. He called his people, you're the, one, you're the ones who struggle with me. And that will be your defining name. And Israel was the name he actually gave to a guy named Jacob because Jacob wrestled with him and God liked it. Right? I mean, it was weird. It's a really weird story. We preached it recently. It's like, no, I mean, it's the struggle that actually defines in relief your ability to be thankful, joyful, overcoming, and all of those other bedrocks of, of faith. Uh, Jesus, of course, modeled for us life from death in the most perfect way. He had a really hard life, and then he died from torture, right? And that is the central event of all history. Right? Whether you're a believer or not, that event completely changed your life because it changed the world. And it spawned a whole bunch of faith that changed the world. Everywhere you look, everywhere you look, there's this idea of accept things with a creative spirit, right? I mean, yeah, that hurt. It hurt a lot. But I wonder what might be created uh, out of, of this. And then Paul says, and therefore, since we have this ministry, in other words, therefore, since we're all ministers in this life, since we're all ministers, get your brain around this concept. Because it's a concept that will release thankfulness in the world. You know, as people experience the grace of it, he says, uh, their thankfulness, uh, it may cause thanksgiving to overflow in the world, is what he said. Have you ever thought about Thanksgiving as an evangelistic technique? It's like, you know, when people see something sucky happen in your life, but your attitude about it is infused with gratefulness and creativity and expectation, that's evangelism. And when something bad is happening in your life and I'm around you and I can be sort of creatively expectant. It's like, oh man, that really hurts. Okay, 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 okay. Let's go. That in itself, I think, is a tremendous ministry. Are you following? And you guys are salt and light, and I just wanted to encourage you in the spirit of thanksgiving, thankfulness, creative acceptance, whatever you want to call it. I wanted, you to, encourage, I wanted to encourage you in that this morning, in part because you just spent a feast practicing it, uh, but we're also headed into a holiday uh, a holiday season which is occurring in a world that is just clawing its way out of struggle. Obviously, there's a lot of struggle still going on. And I think one of the things the world needs around us is this feeling of creative acceptance. Like, yeah, that sucked. What a destructive period that was. Okay. Okay, okay, let's go. Uh, we're
we're going to look back at this and we're going to find that it was a pivotal moment. We're going to look back at this and we're going to find that God had a way of producing a greater good out of this negative struggle. Do you think that's true? Because if you think it's true, then speak it. I believed, therefore I have spoken, was the psalm that Paul quoted. If you believe it, then you are compelled to speak it, according to Paul. That's, that's what, what he was saying. Do you, think, do you think eternity is true? Do you think it's true? I mean, like, do you think there's resurrection and an eternal timeless realm where we can go live forever? Do you think that's true? Because if you believe it, you can speak it. Do you think it's true? I am a science geek. Uh, and I will speak on eternity here in a little while. But um, I love the way physicists are beginning to talk about it. Right? Some of us know this. I'm looking at my fellow science geeks. Um, one of the great things that happened in physics, cosmo cosmological physics in the early 20th century was that we found out the universe was expanding, which might make no sense to you whatsoever. But, it, but that means like if something is flowing outward, it meant that if you could reverse time, it would have a beginning point. And so when we discovered the universe was expanding, it was tantamount to discovering that the universe had a beginning, which freaked people out for a while in the science community because that was not the prevailing theory. The prevailing theory was the universe has always been static. And then we, we found out that it had a beginning, which of course is what um, believers have believed all along. It's like, because God created. And so they discovered that the universe was created. And since then, physicists have been scrambling to explain how that happened. Because if the universe had a beginning, well, what caused it to start? You know, there had to be something outside of time that sort of triggered the process. And so they've been trying to, to explain it. And one of the things they're doing is they're trying to extrapolate time out of physics. So there's space, to what we experience, and, and maybe time is a quantity that exists outside of space that you can add to it only every once in a while. And if that makes your brain hurt, don't worry about it. It makes everybody's brain hurt. But it's a way of saying there are two solutions for physicists. Either they have to admit that the universe was created, or they have to admit that there's a realm of timelessness, which is to say eternity, right? And they need one of those two things to make the math work out. Um, and I just enjoy reading about that quite a bit. Um, everybody's trying to believe in eternity in some way, you know. And there are some people trying to, to model it mathematically. You are trying to model it with your life uh, and your spirit. You are trying to conceive of it. You are trying to trust it. You are trying to understand that we're all headed somewhere and that's where the big payoff is. And I just commend you for doing that. I just bless your hearts for doing that because it has been a tough time been struggled, but you're trying to accept it creatively and to move forward with eternity in your hearts. You're trying to speak from that place of belief. You're fighting the fight, and there's not a dang thing in the world out there that is encouraging you to do it. Every accusation, every cultural current is pressing against you, but if you believe it, speak it, right? And it will testify in a way that is compellingly powerful to the world. You will be 
unbelievably influential to the people around you because the life that is in you will touch them and thanksgiving will overflow. I have it on good authority. But Father God, I want to pray not for simply endurance, but for creativity uh, in this people, in, in me as well. I pray, Lord, that we would speak out of our belief and that we would experience the fruit of our belief in eternity. That you would make us alien people in a temporary world. Citizens of heaven. And in the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, I bless your heart with thankfulness that overcomes. To stand against the spirit of complaint that characterizes our culture and instead move in a spirit of thankfulness that finds creative paths forward no matter the circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen.